A window burst open high above the market. A basket flew from it and arced towards the oblivious crowd. It spasmed in mid-air, then spun and continued earthwards at a slower, uneven pace. Dancing precariously as it descended, its wire mesh caught and skittered on the building's rough hide. It scrabbled at the wall, sending paint and concrete dust plummeting before it. The sun shone through uneven cloud cover with a bright grey light. Below the basket the stalls and barrows lay like untidy spillage. The city reeked. But today was market day down in Aspic Hole, and the pungent slick of dung smell and rot that rolled over New Crobazon was, in these streets, for these hours, improved with paprika and fresh tomato, hot oil and fish and cinnamon, cured meat, banana and onion. The food stalls stretched the noisy length of Shadrach Street, Books and manuscripts and pictures filled up Selchit Pass, an avenue of desultory banyans and crumbling concrete a little way to the east. There were earthenware products spilling down the road to Barakam in the south, engine parts to the west, toys down one side street, clothes between two more, and countless other goods filling all the alleys. The rows of merchandise converged crookedly on aspic hole like spokes on a broken wheel. In the whole itself all distinctions broke down. In the shadow of old walls and unsafe towers were a pile of gears, a ramshackle table of broken crockery and crude clay ornaments, a case of mouldering textbooks, antiques, sex, flea powder. Between the stalls stomped hissing constructs. Beggars argued in the bowels of deserted buildings. Members of strange races bought peculiar things. Aspic Bazaar, a blaring mess of goods, grease, and tallymen. Mercantile law ruled. Let the buyer beware. The costermonger below the descending basket looked up into flat sunlight and a shower of brick particles. He wiped his eye. He plucked the frayed thing from the air above his head, pulling at the cord which bore it until it went slack in his hand. Inside the basket was a brass shekel and a note in careful ornamented italics. The food vendor scratched his nose as he scanned the paper. He rummaged in the piles of produce before him, placed eggs and fruit and root vegetables into the container, checking against the list. He stopped and read one item again, then smiled lasciviously and cut a slice of pork. When he was done he put the shekel in his pocket and felt for change, hesitating as he calculated his delivery cost, eventually depositing four stivers in with the food. He wiped his hands against his trousers and thought for a minute, then scribbled something on the list with a stub of charcoal and tossed it after the coins. He tugged three times at the rope, and the basket began a bobbing journey into the air. It rose above the lower roofs of surrounding buildings, buoyed upwards by noise. It startled the roosting jackdaws in the deserted story, and inscribed the wall with another scrawled trail among many, before it disappeared again into the window from which it had emerged. Isaac Dan de Grimnabulin had just realized that he was dreaming. He had been aghast to find himself employed once again at the university, parading in front of a huge blackboard covered in vague representations of levers and forces and stress, introductory material science. Isaac had been staring anxiously at the class when that unctuous bastard Vermishank had looked in. "'I can't teach this class.' whispered Isaac loudly. The market's too loud. He gestured at the window. It's all right. Vermishank was soothing and loathsome. It's time for breakfast, he said. That'll take your mind off the noise. 
and hearing that absurdity, Isaac shed sleep with immense relief. The raucous profanity of the bazaar and the smell of cooking came with him into the day. He lay hugely in the bed without opening his eyes. He heard Lynn walk across the room and felt the slight listing of the floorboards. The garret was filled with pungent smoke. Isaac salivated. Lynn clapped twice. She knew when Isaac woke, probably because he closed his mouth, he thought, and sniggered without opening his eyes. Still sleeping, shush, poor little Isaac, ever so tired, he whimpered, and snuggled down like a child. Lynn clapped again once, derisory, and walked away. He groaned and rolled over. Tamagants, he moaned after her. Shrew, Harridan, all right, all right, you win, you, you, ah, Virago, you spitfire. He rubbed his head and sat up, grinned sheepishly. Lynn made an obscene gesture at him without turning around. She stood with her back to him, nude at the stove, dancing back as hot drops of oil leapt from the pan. The covers slipped from the slope of Isaac's belly. He was a dirigible, huge and taut and strong. Grey hair burst from him abundantly. Lynn was hairless. Her muscles were tight under her red skin, each distinct. She was like an anatomical atlas. Isaac studied her in cheerful lust. His ass itched. He scratched under the blanket, rooting as shameless as a dog. Something burst under his nail, and he withdrew his hand to examine it. A tiny half-crushed grub waved helplessly on the end of his finger. It was a reflic, a harmless little Kepri parasite. The thing must have been rather bewildered by my juices, Isaac thought, and flicked his finger clean. Reflick, Lynn, he said. Bath time. Lynn stamped in irritation. New Crobazon was a huge plague pit, a morbific city. Parasites, infection, and rumour were uncontainable. A monthly chemical dip was a necessary prophylactic for the Kepri if they wanted to avoid itches and sores. Lynn slid the contents of the pan onto a plate and set it down, across from her own breakfast. She sat and gestured for Isaac to join her. He rose from the bed and stumbled across the room. He eased himself onto the small chair, wary of splinters. Isaac and Lynn sat naked on either side of the bare wooden table. Isaac was conscious of their pose, seeing them as a third person might. It would make a beautiful strange print, he thought. An attic room, dust motes in the light from the small window, books and paper and paints neatly stacked by cheap wooden furniture. A dark-skinned man, big and nude and detumescing, gripping a knife and fork, unnaturally still, sitting opposite a kepri her slight woman's body in shadow, her chitinous head in silhouette. They ignored their food and stared at each other for a moment. Lynn signed at him. Good morning, lover. Then she began to eat, still looking at him. It was when she ate that Lynn was most alien, and their shared meals were a challenge and an affirmation. As he watched her, Isaac felt the familiar trill of emotion. Disgust immediately stamped out, pride at the stamping out, guilty desire. Light glinted in Lynn's compound eyes. Her head legs quivered. She picked up half a tomato and gripped it with her mandibles. She lowered her hands while her inner mouth parts picked at the food her outer jaw held steady.